Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Philocrosophy Podcast in-season edition with PLL Chaos head coach Andy Towers, brought to you by Oxia Time. The Philocrosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information. First game I want to talk about was last Wednesday night, Towson-Loyola. Phenomenal midweek game. Towson, you know, wins faceoffs. Looked good on offense, particularly against man-to-man, struggled a little bit against the zone and then kind of figured it out, played great defense, and made some big saves. Pretty good recipe. What are your thoughts on those two teams? You know, we knew this game was going to be an unbelievable game. I thought Loyola would win the game. Uh, The one sort of out I gave myself was if Alex Woodle was able to dominate faceoffs, that was going to be the path for Towson to win the game. Yeah. And sure enough, he did exactly that, and they won the game. Uh, you know, you got to look at some great performances, certainly in the gold. Tyler Canto played an unbelievable game, some jaw-dropping saves. Yeah. Um, you know, Brendan Sunday, even though statistically he's been out, is <laughs> no longer a secret after the first, you know, three games. He just showed that he's simply one of the very, very best attackmen in the country. I mean, he's playing like a first-team All-American to go 4 and one in that type of game. And I think coming out with the W sort of outdueled Pat Spencer head to head there. Um, and what you're seeing, I think, with a team like Towson is really a team that has all the ingredients to win a national championship. So, you know, I do my rankings each week, Jamie, and, and the way that I do my rankings are, are a little different than everybody else. I don't, I don't rank what I think or who I think the best teams are. I rank them based on their current body of work using the most recent uh, polls as a guide to what constitutes a, you know, a top 20 win or not. And you know, the four best teams that I think are out there are Towson, Loyola, Penn State, and Yale. That's who I think would be in the final four at this point. Those I think are the four best teams. But if you look at what Towson did to Loyola, you know, to dominate them at the X. Ba- Bailey Savio is a very good player, but but he's not a top five elite faceoff guy. He's not, you know, he's 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 in sort of that next group of guys, in my opinion. And I think in order for a team to really have a legitimate shot, they need that they need that top five guy. And Alex Woodle is definitely that guy. So is Arcieri from Penn State. So is TD Ireland, obviously from Yale. He's the best of them all. Um, you know, and, and I think that with a very good goalie, a great face-off guy, a big-time offensive player and supporting cast that 
certainly Brian Sunday and then his supporting cast, and then a really, really tough defense and a great coaching staff. You're looking at a really, really complete team in Towson. I voted them number one this week, um, and it was a no-brainer. I mean, it, it, they've, they've earned it. They're the only team in the country using last week's poll, right, uh, you know, with, with three ranked wins, beating Georgetown by six, Loyola by two, and, and Hopkins by nine. So they, to me, are without a doubt, clearly the number one team in the country. Yeah, it's a recipe for, for winning games, that's for sure, when you're really good up the middle, and they, and they can score a goal. Sunday was kind of unguardable, man-to-man. Loyola switched his own. It did slow them down. They didn't score a goal from, like, the nine-minute mark of the second quarter until mid-third mid quarter, and they started sort of dodging and drawing slides. Um, you got to wonder if, if Loyola is going to need to work on their zone a little bit more because they, they did get exposed a little bit defensively, but maybe that was just an aberration. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I do think they got exposed a little bit defensively, and I think that they have got to shore that up. You know, the, the one thing that Loyola has is they've got just a tremendous offense with a quarterback that knows how to manage the game, and they, you know, are super scary with the ball. But if they're losing faceoffs and they have to defend before they're able to possess 75% of the time, I do think that Stover's a great goalie, but let's face it, no matter how good your goalie is, they can't take constant pressure. You know, you've got to, in order for Loyola to win, they, they can't lose, you know, face-offs at that rate. They could go and lose, 40, you know, they could lose 60% and still yeah. make up for it with how good their offense is, but they yeah. do have to continue to improve on the defensive end and have that complement a great senior goaltender and obviously very, very scary offense but I think that they do. I, I think that they're going to need to improve on the defensive end. And if it's zone, it's zone. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but they can't lose face. They can't play against an elite team, lose 70% of the draws or more, and expect to beat that team with consistency. I think that's a fear that they're going to have because I don't think Bailey Savio is going to be able to get himself in that top five group. Um, but they can come together defensively and support their offense in a way that will allow them to be there in the end. Uh, Friday night, Duke takes care of business with Richmond. Good win. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that? Or are there any thoughts on that game? I watched the whole thing with James Towers. I was very impressed with Richmond. Uh, their faceoff guy won the first draw, went right down and scored. They jumped out to a 3-0 lead, and you know, Duke continued to chip away. And it was a great game all the way. It was a great game all the way through, you know, sort of the last, whatever, maybe four or five minutes of the game when Duke had established a three-goal lead. You know, at that point, you felt like the game was over. But I wasn't surprised to see Richmond play them well, play them close. Uh, Dan Shimani does a great job. These guys coming off a big win against Notre Dame aren't wide-eyed versus Duke. They've beaten them before. This is certainly a game that Duke uh, was intent on getting. And to their credit, they got it. Um, so, I, you know, I have – I have Duke. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Duke Loyola this week. It's a huge, huge game, midweek game. I think it's Thursday night at 7. But I have sort of that Loyola, Richmond, them in a sort of a second group. You know, when I'm looking at the best teams right now, I look at, I look at Towson, Ohio State, Cornell as the undefeated teams. And I'd probably put Loyola in that group as well. I think that's one group. And then you got sort of the next group of people. The next group of teams, I have High Point, Duke, Notre Dame, Yale, Penn State, Villanova, Maryland, Denver. Richmond is, is, is probably Denver, right? And then I would put Richmond in that third group. Um, so I'm not surprised to see Duke win this game. But, 
Um, but I thought Richmond played well. What do you think? I didn't get a chance to watch the game, um, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised it was close. I'm, I wouldn't have been surprised if Richmond had won. Dan Chimati does do an unbelievable job, and he's got – you know, listen, he's got goal scorers. He's got guys. He's got athletes. You can beat shorts and draw slides. With Nakaya Montgomery didn't play in some of the early games, and I think he's playing now. And I think yeah, that he had two offense. You know, like they're they're a different team when they have him out there. So, you yeah. know, I, I look I look to them to be in the group that you're talking about, and maybe a little bit a little bit ahead of Richmond, but not surprised that Richmond made it as close of a game as they did. Um, turning the tables to uh, the early game on Saturday morning, Carolina Denver. Um, we got a chance to watch that. Carolina had a 6-4 lead at halftime um, and then ended up uh, losing down the stretch, um, giving up some goals in the fourth quarter. Um, thoughts on that game? I watched that whole game, too. Um, the new facility is obviously unbelievable. You know, it, it, it's always a great game. You know, Carolina easily could have won this game. Like you said, they were winning. They were up by a few goals. And I just – I, I didn't I didn't know which way it was going to go, and it seemed like there was another sort of foolish penalty by the heels down the stretch that gave a little more momentum to Denver. I do think that Austin French coming back to Denver's lineup is the best thing that happened to Ethan Walker, as, as Austin French, I think, finished one and five, something like that. Ethan Walker, I think, was four and one, and you know, it's they're a different team when they have all their pieces. And if they're winning faceoffs, they get really scary. Now, Carolina, Zach Tucci did control the X. He, he won that battle. And, you know, that's the formula for beating these top teams. But unfortunately, I just didn't feel like Carolina was able to generate enough high-quality shots to win the game. And, you know, Denver was able to win yet another close game. So Yeah, I mean, uh, Denver did what they do, which is they play – consistent and smart and uh, um, pretty uh, pretty impressive. And you're right, Ethan Walker's fun to watch. The way he hangs his guy up at X and is always receiving the ball tight to the crease, looking for skip passes through the defense um, is uh, pretty awesome. And it looked like Denver's got a couple new faces too that have some pretty good bounce. You know, they've got some guys that can, um, that can like, you know, draw slides. No, no question. I think Denver got a little bit better performance out of their goalie, Alex Reddy, than Carolina did out of theirs um you know I think Pazula's played pretty well to this point in the year but it didn't seem like he played that well on Saturday and uh you know it may have been a difference in a, in a two-goal in a two-goal loss. Syracuse Virginia um total barn burner this is like one of the uh this is just like one of the one of the games that you remember back from the 90s when it was like Casey Powell playing against Michael Watson and stuff so uh unbelievable game huge win for Virginia, um, and uh, thoughts on that one? Yeah, I watched that game <clears throat> as well and <clears throat> was not surprised to see it come down to, you know, a one-goal win in overtime. It seems like you know, these teams always play this game, and it always seems like it's 15-14. You know, it's crazy how it played out like that. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I was, I was impressed with Syracuse. I thought they were dictating the tempo and taking it to Virginia, and, um, you know, Virginia, I felt like, was on their heels, and I, I didn't think that they were going to be able to come back and make their run like they did in the end. Um, you know, this was the first game, in my opinion, where Michael Krause really played like Michael Krause, the one that, that we remember from last year. You know, he's, he's done pretty well this year, but he hasn't played at that elite level where, 
you know, you look at him and you think this kid is a first team All-American, but I think he did play exactly that way, particularly down the stretch against Syracuse in this game and had the game winning assist on the backside to feed to Mikey Herring. He think he also had, you know, the game tying goal as well. And to see him go three and three with a big performance at crunch time down the stretch of a game, let's face it, Virginia, both teams really needed, but I think Virginia needed it more so than Cuse even. Um, and they got it. You know, it was, uh, it was great to see for Lars as a friend of Lars's um, and a tough pill to swallow for Syracuse after, you know, playing in a couple of great games after losing that first game to Colgate to come back and, and beat Albany the way that they did by eight goals and then beat a really good Army team last Sunday you know, you, you felt, or at least I felt, that Syracuse was going to find a way to win this game. And for three and a half quarters, they looked like they were going to. And then the Michael Krause show, showed up and, and took control and dictated the outcome. So big win for Virginia up in the Dome. Not an easy place to play. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can win in the Dome, it's massive. Uh, Syracuse got Hopkins uh, next week, so it's not going to get any easier for those guys. Um, you know, they're 2-2 two and two right now. And um, both of those teams are going to be in a, in a total kind of, you know, you don't want to say must win because it's truly not, but it kind of is for establishing yourself for you. Well, as an out-large game, I think it is kind of a must win. Yeah. I mean, you've got yeah. two teams that at this point uh, are both two and two. I got them ranked 16, 15 and 16 this week with Syracuse with a slight advantage ahead of Hopkins simply because their win versus Army, I think, will carry more weight. Um, than Hopkins win over Carolina at this point, particularly with Carolina losing a close one to Denver. Um, you know, but I, I do. I think that this game is going to be critical for an at-large berth, no question. Yeah. Now, both teams have a lot of games left on their schedule. Obviously, the Big Ten, you know, getting to play in that tournament and play multiple games can give you a couple extra, like, top ten games. Um, but it does set the tone. Yeah, each, each team could – I mean, Syracuse could go win the ACC and Hopkins could win the Big Ten, and, you know, nobody would think twice about it. Um, so they've got, they've got a ton to play for. Credit Johns Hopkins that, you know, starting 0-2 with two pretty big losses to Towson and Loyola, but here we are sitting after week four. Towson's number one, Loyola's ranked number four. At least that's what I have yep. them ranked. And so they don't have a bad loss, and they have, you know, a win over Carolina, who was ranked at the time 14 when they played them, and – um, you know, and, and, and Princeton. Uh, so Hopkins is, is feeling pretty good, I think, at this point. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, huge game yesterday, huge win for Notre Dame, finding themselves offensively, which I think we all kind of wondered if, if that was going to be something they'd be able to do or not. Um, and to be able to put up 14 goals on Maryland um, and uh, to score an OT, OT win at any time in life is, is massive. Um, and so, uh, but just an unbelievable Sunday afternoon game to watch. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I watched that game, and certainly I was wrong about this. I thought Maryland would win the game. I think I quoted them winning 7-5. I thought it would be a lower-scoring game. I never thought that Notre Dame's offense, particularly this early in the season after losing Ryder Garnsey in the offseason, would be able to put up 14 goals on a defense like Maryland's uh, with a face-off group like Maryland's against a goalie that had been playing really, really well, Danny Dolan, but he didn't play well in this game. You know, he had seven saves. He allowed 14 goals. That venue is so hard to play, the Loftus Center. Um, you know, it's, it's just a really tough team to play indoors, Notre Dame, at that, inside that facility. I'm not making excuses for Maryland's performance, 
they, you know, they could have won the game. But you just got to hand it to Notre Dame for stepping up. And, and Clark had mentioned during the broadcast that some of their young players really sort of emerged this season in this game. And I like the, the move of Brendan Gleason down to attack. He went four and one, played really, really well. Brian Willits had the game winner, went three and two. Um, you know, you got to feel you got to feel good if you're Notre Dame beating, you know, what was the number two team in the country at home. Them coming into the game, I think everybody thought Maryland would win this game. I certainly didn't think Notre Dame would win a game that was this high scoring. If Notre Dame was going to win, I would have thought, you know, it would have been an 8-6 game, not, you know, 14-13. Uh, I was impressed by how Notre Dame competed at the faceoff X. Your boy, is it Charlie Leonard? Is that his name? Charlie Leonard won a huge faceoff with 16 seconds left, went down, and I thought he was going to stuff the winner at the buzzer and hit the pipe. But um, what a performance he had. And, you know, that was a big factor in allowing Notre Dame to win this game. That's huge because, I mean, Maryland, you know, you could have argued going into the year had the best faceoff tandem in the country. I mean, just phenomenal yeah. package. I consider, I consider them, you know, one of the elite sort of five, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, well, good for Notre Dame. They needed that. Um, you know, I mean, it's just every game on these schedules is so hard. Um, and so to come off a win, a loss to Richmond and bounce back with a win against Maryland, huge. Um, they, got Denver, they got Denver this Saturday. That's going to be a really, really interesting game um, coming up. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit. But that's a game where Denver's, you know, Denver's high-quality high win, high win right now is Carolina. Uh, Notre Dame's is obviously Maryland. I've got Notre Dame ranked ahead of Denver in my poll. Uh, you know, they have a bigger, a better win. That's a better win. A win over Maryland is better win than over Carolina at this point. And them going out and playing out in the West Coast, this is a, this is a big, 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 big game. You know, whoever wins this game, I think, is going to be in the top five at this point. And that, again, is off of my rankings, not necessarily the media's. It's time for the Oxia time ivy league review there's a lot of ivy games this week want to go over them uh before we do uh, uh andy are uh, you wearing your watch did you did you check it out you got yours on i got mine on right here don't have mine on um today but i got it in the mail and i'm just blown away by how nice it is i had to text john canaris and tell him that i think it's actually the nicest thing i own now <laughs> <laughs> it's official <laughs> well it's so cool because it's like you know it's an old school it's like it's kind of old school like you gotta you gotta wind it up and um and i love that and you can see the like when you turn it around you can see the mechanical it's sort of got like a, a window on the back of it so you can sort of sort of see how 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 it works with this mechanical watch um, but um i got the little brown crest logo subtle um on the face um but you got the brown uh, Ivy with a little brown uh, emblem, correct? I did, correct. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, I love mine. I'm wearing it right now. You can tell it's good. I think the way you can judge a great watch is basically by how much, how, how heavy it is. I feel like you can judge a great watch by, you know, how much fear you have that you're going to actually lose it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're pretty much not going to take it anywhere. I'm terrified. Just terrified. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's awesome, and let's talk about these games. So, um, let's let's start off with Princeton and Hopkins. I mean, this um, you know Princeton's got a lot of 
reason to feel like they're going to have a great season uh, coming off an overtime loss to Virginia. And now they got Hopkins, um, and they lose that game 14-12. to 12. Uh, What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I watched that game, too. I watched it pretty much start to finish, and I felt similar to the Virginia game. I thought that Princeton was sort of in control of the game. And then somewhere during the, you know, the second half, sort of the, the, the fourth quarter, the fact that Hopkins just kept winning faceoffs just seemed to just take its toll on Princeton. Um, I'm really impressed with this guy, Charlie Durbin, for Princeton. I know Michael Sowers is the guy that, you know, is their quarterback and certainly deserves all the credit that he gets. He's, he's one of the very best players in the country. But this guy, Charlie Durbin, has just been shooting the ball really, really well. He had a great game against Virginia, came back and stuck three goals against Hopkins, including some, some pivotal shots at some, at some really needed times. Um, you know, they got 14 saves out of John Levine in the goal. I think he's done his job. It just seems like they have trouble finishing off these games. And disappointing for Princeton to be one and two, they easily could be three and oh with wins on top of, of Hopkins in Virginia, yet here they are, they're one and two, their only win is over Monmouth. And, you know, they're, now they got Navy coming up and I, I ranked Navy this week and that's going to be a tough game for them. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them come back and beat Navy, but they have to learn how to finish these games. They really do because they're good enough to be beating these teams and they're good enough to be three and oh, and if they're three and oh, we're looking at Princeton and saying, you know what, they're a top four team in the country. Right. Just and then you're like almost, you know, locking in on at large uh, heading into the Ivy League season, whereas now they're running out of those games that are going to be sort of like, you know, that are going to stand up in the end. Right. They're going to have to beat Cornell. They're going to have to beat Cornell or Yale and essentially win the rest of their games to be in the conversation for an at large if they don't win the Ivy League tournament. Penn bounces back with. Uh, you know, a good performance, but can't get the win. They're right there uh, with a late lead in the fourth quarter against Penn State. Um, put up 14 goals, Penn does. You know, you know, I say bounce back because they, they, they really got hammered by Duke, and they came back and played well enough probably to win this game. But Penn State with a, with a huge win at Penn. What were your thoughts on that game? I watched this whole game too, and I'll be the first one to admit that I this was a bent nail for a projection for me. I thought that – Penn State would beat them 17 to 8. I thought they would just destroy them. I thought that they would win the X. I thought that they would have no problem lighting up Penn's defense. And I was totally wrong. I was really impressed with how hard Penn played in this game and felt like they were going to win the game. It felt like, you know, every time Penn State made a little run that that Penn would score a goal or score two goals and, and stop that run. Ryan Gallagher did a great job against Gerard Arcieri at the X. You know, Penn got five goals out of Adam Goldner. Reed Junkin played a better game. You know, not an unbelievable game, but he played a better game than he had certainly against Duke, which wasn't tough. But he came back and, and had 12 saves in this game. And, uh, you know, I thought that Colby Knees would, would have the advantage in this game. I thought, I thought Penn State was better pretty much at every position. I thought they were better on attack. I thought they were better in the midfield. I thought they were better at the X. I thought their team defense was better. And I thought they were better in the goal. And Penn showed me that I don't know really what I'm talking about because they were, they were right there, could have easily won this game. And it's another team. I mean, look, Penn's 0-3. They are a, a, you know, an overtime loss to Maryland. They are a one-goal loss to Penn State where they were more or less leading throughout the game. 
And, you know, if they're two and one, this is a team that's in that second group of teams that sort of, you know, five to 12 ranking. And instead they're 0-3 and, and they're an afterthought. Now, with that said, their next game is at Villanova. As we know, Villanova is off to a great year after getting drop kicked in the ocean by Penn State first game of the year, 17-7. to They've come back and they've beaten Yale and Hofstra and uh, most recently Delaware who was undefeated coming into this game, it wouldn't surprise me to see Penn come and beat Villanova this week at all. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And, you know, you can be sure Mike Carrado is going to be telling his players at Villanova that we need to respect this team. They're a very, very good team. But if you're a player and you're having the season that Villanova is and you see Penn's record at 0-3, you know, I think it's kind of hard to believe the coach that this is a team we need to be wary of. And if they aren't careful, they're going to lose because Gallagher is going to win face-offs in this Penn Villanova game. And I don't know if, uh, you know, Villanova has an adequate appreciation for how well Penn's offense can play. And they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. You know, they really are. They need, they need, they need this game. And this is their, this is a, a really good chance to get a winnable game for out-of-conference boost, which would allow them, I believe, again, if they beat Yale and Cornell, which I consider the two frontrunners in the Ivy League, if they beat one of those teams and can marry that up with a win at Villanova and beat the rest of the Ivy League, finish 5-1, and one, win a first-round game in the, in the Ivy League tournament, Penn's going to be right there based on strength of schedule and RPI with an at-large berth. They are. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, their back's against the wall, and they're a good team. They're, they're, they're just not a team you want to play that's 0-3 right. right now. I mean, uh, you know, Villanova's well-coached. They're going to be good. They're, they'll obviously, you know, beaten Yale, and they can compete. But uh, it's going to be a great one to watch. I mean, you know, huge. The stakes are huge. Um, so, Cornell-Albany, um, high-scoring affair. Uh, Albany ties this game up late. And Cornell pulls out the 17-16 win. Cornell's offense – Looking great, giving up a lot of goals, uh, not great at the X. Uh, thoughts on Cornell? This is a game I thought Cornell would win big. I, we talked about it at the end of the podcast last week. I thought Cornell would win 14-6 to six or something like that, six, six goals. And going into the fourth quarter, it was something like 16-11. And I was thinking, well, there it is. It's a little more high scoring than I thought it would be. But Cornell is, is winning, you know, by a big margin, and that's what I thought. And sure enough, Albany keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back, and you've got to hand it to them. You know, to go play in Ithaca, I, I thought that Cornell would win the faceoffs is what I thought would happen, and that Albany would have a really tough time holding them down on the defensive end. And while Cornell did score 17 goals, which is, a, you know, a ton of goals, I felt like Albany just – exposed Cornell on the defensive end in a way that I think is going to probably be the way that you're going to beat Cornell. I mean, let's face it. They played Hobart first game of the year. They let up 16 goals. Uh, you know, they fall behind five zip to Lehigh last Sunday and then come back and win that game. They play Albany. They are up five goals in firm control of the game. And they, you know, they allow Albany to come back and almost win the game. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, yeah. And, and, and so Cornell's going to have to, they're going to have to figure out who they are on the defensive end. Um, 
but credit Albany for coming out and playing the way that they did and competing in between the lines and, and, you know, winning faceoffs. Um, I thought the Australian kid for Cornell would, would have more of an impact, but this Albany kid just, he, he owned that aspect of the game. And, you know, I think if they had gotten a few more saves, they would have been in, in a good, good spot, but let's face it. Cornell's goalie wasn't, wasn't great either. You know, I love how Jeff Teat goes one and four. And I kind of was like, wow, he, he didn't play very well. Like, where was he? I didn't see a lot of Jeff Teat. He's just a real quietly one and four, you know. Some guys just do that, man. Darren Lowe used to do that. He would, like, literally, you'd be like, yeah, I didn't have a very good day today. And he would have, like, you know, two and one, five. One, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. How do you do that? It's like, some people, the ball goes in for them as shooters. Some people, the ball goes in for them as feeders. And that's just it's a gift, no doubt. Um, Yale UMass, total barn burner. UMass is tough. I mean, I, I feel like UMass has played a pretty tough schedule. Um, and um, I, I feel like, you know, there's a reason why they were picked to win the CAA. Um, they gave Yale everything they could handle. Yale comes out with a 12-11 win. And you would have expected Yale to be able to win the game. But remember, the NCAA tournament last year was a close game, too. I mean, like, you know, UMass does not back down. Uh, Greg Cannell has those guys um, playing so tough, and they're athletic. Um, what were your thoughts on that game? You know, I, I for everybody that's listening that used to watch WWF wrestling when it was on WOR Channel Nine in the New York area, there was a wrestler called uh, SD Special Delivery Jones, and he was this guy that used to come out and wrestle Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter and Andre the Giant and George the Animal Steel and Greg Ballantyne and, you know, all these, like, super high-profile wrestlers were back back the time when it was like, all right, Andre the Giant's going to wrestle Murray the Banker from Providence, and, uh, and then that was the match. And he would just throw Murray the Banker all over the ring and there was one guy that they used to set up, which was SD Special Delivery Jones, who'd come in and he would like almost win the fight every time against these huge wrestlers, only in the end to, you know, to lose. And I feel like UMass is right there. You know, this is a team that could be ranked in the top 12. I, I feel like they're, they're as good as a lot of the teams that are, that are in that spot in the polls, yet they're one and three and haven't been able to get over the hump. And I was not surprised by this result at all. I thought Yale would win the game. I thought Yale would have too much. I thought they'd win all the face-offs and similar to Penn State would just, you know, wear them down. I didn't think that UMass would be able to score goals on Yale the way that Penn State was able to score goals on Yale. So I thought that UMass wouldn't be able to, to stay within four goals. I thought Yale would, would, would beat them. But – Again, like Greg Canella's teams every year, they're really tough. They don't fear anyone. They compete for everything. I thought that they played tougher than Yale, and I consider Yale one of the toughest teams in the country, but they just couldn't quite get it done. You know, one of the things that, that, that I find interesting is when these teams, and this was the case in this game, are up by one or two goals at the end of a game, right? And these coaches... I, and I don't know whether I wasn't in Andy Shea's huddle, but, you know, it just seems like such a widely held opinion that if you're up by a goal or two, you don't take an open goal shot or you don't walk in there in a one-on-one. -on -one. And why would you ever not 
go in and go up by three. I mean, why, why allow, you know, one turnover to create an opportunity for a team to score? And UMass did it twice. And it just further cements my viewpoint that if teams overextend on the perimeter, get the ball back, and you've got an opportunity to go one-on-one with the goalie, not even an open net, one-on-one with the goalie, that you go in and you finish it. You know, how many times have we heard of a team that is up by a goal, goes and shoots it, and loses in overtime, versus how many times that guy scores and it's over and they win by two? I mean, I can't remember, you know, what was it, like a playoff game where Duke played Princeton in 1994? It happened one time. It was Hopkins, and then all of a sudden, that's the, the secret sauce to finishing these games. I'll tell you the secret sauce for finishing one-goal games when you have the lead and you're up by a goal. That's to go up by two goals, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do it, you're going to win by two goals. And if something happens and they score, then you won by one goal. But don't be, you know, throw in the goal, right? Throw in the goal and end the game. Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, I, I, I can see why when you're going against TD Ireland that you might be like, look, I'd rather take my chances and not like have him come down and win face offs in 30 seconds and, and win games. But well, it's one thing if it's UMass that doesn't want to because they're losing to TD Ireland. You get yeah. TD Ireland with the X. Right. And when you like, got TD Ireland, that's no right. it's not like It's not like you shoot, they save it, fast break goal, you're up by one goal going to the next face off. You've got TD Ireland. They don't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, depends on who your face-up guy is. I think it factors in a little bit on yours. But I mean, but if it's a if it's an empty net, valid point. Yeah. Um, the Axia Time Ivy League Player of the Week is coming up. Uh, but before we do that, the these watches, what they do for me uh, when I just take a quick peek at it is it just reminds me of the good old days, Andy. And yeah. so. Give me, a, give me a quick flashback of something, of a game that you played in that, uh, that's a good story that you can tell us about. A flashback that we were both involved in, which I think you'll appreciate since you were the star of the show, was when you were a senior, I was a freshman, 1989. We were playing Smitty and Penn Quakers. We're coming up to Providence. And they had made the Final Four the year before. I think that they were about 6-0, something like that. They were having a great year. They were ranked. Six. Yeah, six. Yep. And we, and we were, you know, 15, 16. We were a super bunch of nice kids at that point. And, um, you know, they came up. And Pete, do you remember? Like, Tony Seaman had them playing their zone. And their zone was, you know, unlike anything else and was sort of the – the cutting edge way to play defense at that point that everybody tried to emulate but couldn't emulate and and it was scary to play that team and they almost beat the gates playing with that zone and they sure enough came up to play us up under the lights at night in providence and pete had written sort of a a two-page overview that only pete could write about how patience beats the zone and this is you know what our Mindset is going to be on a possession-to-possession basis. And I'll never forget, it was just, you know, a really great way to sort of get us as a team that liked to run to appreciate the importance of controlling pace and, and you know, allowing that to be the way that we were going to dissect their zone and hopefully win the game. And sure enough, 
we're playing the game and it's back and forth and and they're every bit as much as number six in the country and you know we're better than a super bunch of nice kids and we're playing them and i think it's maybe six all and there's i think about i don't know maybe three minutes left in the game and sure enough you get the ball at x and come up the right side i think you came up the right side didn't you no and, i came left oh you came up the left side okay you came up the left side and you know i can't remember who was playing you but you came up the field up the side and I was thinking, all right, this is a critical possession for us. We need, you know, we need a good shot. And um, sure enough, you're, you're sort of posted up on the islands. Maybe you weren't even five yards up. You might've been like three yards up and fighting to the middle of the goal. And I can't remember who was covering you for sure. Maybe it was Troy Vance, but you know, you did a, <laughs> you did a snidely backhand behind the back shot that sort of slid off the sidewall and painted it right into the far corner of the goal. That was still like one of the sickest goals I have ever seen. Just the fact that you had the balls to take that shot when we, we had come so far as a team, 57 minutes playing within the framework of Pete's master plan to, to, to set I'll put, I'll, I'll throw the word out there to settle for a shot like that. But, Certainly you had uh, a greater knowledge of how the game was going to finish or how you saw it finishing than the rest of us. But uh, fortunately, that shot went in as one of the sickest goals I've ever seen in any game. And uh, I believe we ended up getting an extra goal when they had to overextend and won the game 8-6. But that was – do you remember that game? I do. I remember that play. I remember, um, you know, Dom telling the story. He was like, no, 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 no. Yay. Right. It's like no, great, Right, 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 right. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, but, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, hooray! <laughs> but that the the uh, slide it off the sidewall uh, shovel um, was something that Paul Hooper had taught me. He would be like, you'd always come up with a little something. He'd be like, hey, hey, three, hey, three, right. here, I got something for you. Right. Don't tell Dom I told you this. Right. When you're like posted up here, you can <laughs> you can shoot a backhand instead of doing a question mark to your right hand. You can maintain some angle. And if you slide it off the sidewall, it makes it really hard for the goalie to be able to, to read it. Hoop is, the, hoop is the all-time best. I still remember the other things. I had a Batman sticker on the back of my stick. He'd say, hey, Batman, Batman. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you give this a look? And he would talk about how you come up from the goal line extended and, like, look upfield like you're going to feed it and just drop your bottom hand off your stick and just roll it really slowly one-handed in between your legs, in between the defender's legs, in between the goalie's legs, and they never even see the release of the shot. That was, that was another Hey Batman. Wow. And then the other, the other Hey Batman he had is when you'd come up really, really high, like six, seven yards above the goal line extended beyond the island, and then roll back down field. Instead of a question mark, you'd roll back down field and you would – shoot what we know now is the Casey Powell behind the back into the low corner, low and away. Yeah. That was a patented Paul Hooper hot tip. And that, uh, was how, that was how you learned those stuff. You needed somebody who was like high level to teach that to you because you didn't have YouTube. You didn't know these things. It's like, it was like brand new to you. And to tell you it's acceptable. Like, you know, you, you, you think of a guy that was that great of a player, let alone, you know, as, a, as an offensive coach and really as an individual player development coach, he was, right. He, he gave so much confidence, and he felt – it felt like when Paul Hooper would tell you something, 
it felt like you and Hoop were like the only guys in the lacrosse world on the planet that knew about it. <laughs> so true. So our Oxia Time, uh, Ivy League Players of the Week, brought to us by Oxia Time, um, which is oxiatime.com, A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E.com. Um, these watches are awesome. Uh, there's an a, a awesome collection that, that will allow anybody that's interested. If you take a look, you're going to love it. They're sick. Andy and I got different watches, um, as you can imagine, uh, different, different tastes, but, but they're all pretty sick with a, nice, with a nice subtle logo in there that really kind of brings you back. So let's talk about these players a week. Mine is Jonathan Donville, native of Oakville, Ontario, had four and three in that Cornell win over Albany. This kid's a Canadian box player. I grew up watching him, or he grew up playing box, and I, I watched him. My son had played against uh, Burlington for a lot of years. He now plays for Mimico and Junior A. I've seen the kid a lot. He's, he's a, a terrific right-handed athletic skilled midi. Uh, Jonathan Donville is my Axia time uh, Ivy League player of the week. What do you got? Uh, I'm going down to Catonsville, Maryland, for my Axia player of the week. Luke McCaleb, five goals in Brown's 14-13 to 13 overtime victory over the Retrievers. Uh, his dad, as you know, also went to Brown, played football, was, I think, might, may have been a team captain, but played with Walter, the assaulter, Cataldo. I was housemates with George Pine, my brother Tommy, Walter Cataldo. Um, Scotty McCaleb was, a, was, a, was an awesome free safety for the Brown Bears football team in 1988, um, and, but I think was actually your class. Was Scotty your class? No, Scotty was 88. Scotty was 88. But my, my uh, Axia Time Player of the Week from Brown, Luke McCaleb, five goals in an overtime victory versus the Retrievers. Huge, huge, huge bounce back W for the Bears after losing to Stony Brook the week before. Awesome. We'll go to axiatime.com. Use the, use the promo code BRUNO100. If you are interested in getting $100 off, uh, the watches are awesome. Um, you know, they're like $5,000 watches that you're going to get for less than a thousand bucks. They're sick. So check them out. Um, let's talk about uh, last thing here, Andy. Let's talk about some of next week's games. I know we've covered a little bit of it on the way through, but uh, Denver, Notre Dame, who do you got? Um, wow. After the way Notre Dame played out in the West Coast. But the fact that Austin French is back for Denver. I think that Denver wins the faceoffs there, um, but I do like the momentum that 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 Notre Dame has created. I'm going to I'm going to take Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Rutgers, Princeton. I'm going to take Princeton. I think they get over the hump this week. They need to. Syracuse, hop. Wow. Syracuse, Hopkins. Wow, that's that's really, really devastating. Um, you know what, Syracuse Hopkins, that's played up in the dome. I, I think that Syracuse wins this game. I think it's at home, and I think the fact that they lost a heartbreaker to Virginia and Hopkins is coming after off of two-goal winning streak, I think it sets up for, for Syracuse to, to want it a little bit more in this game. So I'm going to take Syracuse. Maryland, Albany. I got Maryland. Army Lehigh. You know what? I'm, I think that Lehigh um, playing at home is kind of hitting their stride. They had a great comeback win over Colgate, who was ranked this week. 
I think that Lehigh is going to upset him. I got Lehigh. Penn Villanova. I'm going to go with Penn. All right. You know, a little shout out to uh, Holy Cross that knocked off Harvard, played Loyola really tough. What are your thoughts on the Holy Cross Bucknell game? Really impressed. It sounds like those kids are having fun playing up there. I know Connor Waldron and a couple of the players uh, up there, but I've been really impressed with, with what they're doing. And they travel to Bucknell this Saturday, and I think Bucknell is going to have their hands full because I think Holy Cross coming off a win against Harvard. They were down, I think, 9-3 in that game, Jamie, and, and yeah. like eight in a row or whatever it was to, to win an overtime game. And, um, you know, to play Loyola as competitively as they did, I think that was a 12-11 game going into the fourth quarter. You know, Loyola is, again, arguably the best team in the country. I haven't ranked fourth this week, but they're arguably the best team in the country. And for Holy Cross to keep that game all the way through the end of the third period, pretty much the entire game, speaks volumes about how much fun those players are having and how dangerous of an opponent they are. And I thought for Bucknell to look past them. It wouldn't surprise me to see Holy Cross win the game. But out of allegiance to RD, I hope that Bucknell wins. <laughs> All right, last game, Cornell-Penn State. Huge Friday night game, 7.30 p.m. 7 p.m. East Coast time. You know, I've, I've been a huge fan of Cornell, and um, but I got to say, this is a game that Cornell comes down to earth. I think that you're going to see Penn State win this game, and I think that they're going to do it soundly. And the reason I think that's going to happen is because they're going to control the X for sure, and Cornell's defense is going to really struggle with what Penn State throws out on the offensive end. And I think that Penn State – is going to be able to defend Cornell a lot better than Cornell is going to be able to defend Penn State. And I think Penn State's dominant at the X. And advantage in the goal is going to be the difference. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something like 18 to 12 Penn State. Awesome. Well, listen, man, as usual, total blast talking across with you. Uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, appreciate it. Go chaos. Go chaos. See you, man. See you. The Philosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There is no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son must utilize video to learn his game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3video.com.